TubeCityOnline.com, this is Two Rivers 30 Minutes, a weekly series of interviews with people making news around the McKeesport area. Produced by Tube City Community Media Incorporated, a nonprofit corporation. I'm Jason Toger, the executive director. On this show, we talk one-on-one with elected officials, community leaders, and others who are trying to make a difference in the Monoc area. And we also take your questions and comments on Facebook and Twitter at Tube City Online. A few days ago, St. Stephen's Episcopal Church in downtown McKeesport hosted a program on the effects of violence in the community. The guest speaker was Diane Dom. She is the Director of Prevention, Education, and Outreach at the Center for Victims. Now, we brought along our microphone and recorded part of the discussion. My name is Diane Dom, and I'm the Director of Prevention, Education, and Outreach at Center for Victims. So I think most of McKeesport is familiar with Center for Victims. A lot of you remember when we were called Woman's Place, right? Yeah, so in 2012, Woman's Place merged with the Center for Victims of Violence and Crime. They're an organization located in East Liberty. So now collectively, the organization is known as Center for Victims. And what happened when we merged is we went from providing just services around domestic violence in McKeesport to services to victims of all types of crime. So with that change, victims are now able to call one organization instead of having to call multiple people. Um, So we cover not just domestic violence now, but we also cover sexual assault. So we're able to send people to the hospital to help a victim of rape. Um, We're also able to provide services for anyone who's experienced or witnessed any of the community violence that's happening in McKeesport. So that's really what I wanted to stress while I'm here tonight is we're able to offer therapy services, court accompaniment, and um, advocacy in the courts to anyone that has lost somebody to homicide. And unfortunately, that's something that is really effective the community here in McKeesport. So if there's anything that you take away from tonight's program, I just want everyone to remember that we're the service provider for victims of all crimes. So even if somebody witnesses a crime or has a family member that has experienced something, you can send them over to us and then we'll figure out the services we need. We serve men, women, and children. And some of the crimes that we provide services to include sexual assault, child abuse, elder abuse, robbery, burglaries, and homicide. So I think most of you are familiar with our domestic violence shelter, right? So that's something that we offered when we were Woman's Place. So that shelter's been in existence since 1976 in McKeesport, and we offer services to thousands of people um, through those programs that are available. For the domestic violence services, we also offer emergency PFAs, and that's something that we've done through McKeesport Hospital for a number of years. So think about somebody that's been a victim of domestic violence. If they need to get a protection from abuse order, which is what the PFA stands for, if they need an emergency one, they would have to go to downtown Pittsburgh to night court to sit before a judge and request the emergency protection from abuse order. So years ago, we decided that for somebody that's in that situation to get to Pittsburgh in you know the middle of the night when it's not business hours is going to be a, a really big problem for a lot of people, the transportation issues to get there. We worked with McKeesport Hospital to set up a program where we'd have the equipment right there um, so somebody can go into the emergency room and access uh, teleconferencing equipment to talk to the judge at night court. We also do education programs, and that's kind of what I do at Center for Victims. So I go to eight different high schools and work with students to form leadership teams around preventing violence. We offer them training and support so that they can educate their peers around a lot of these issues. We've served about 55,000 people through community education and training programs each year. 7,300 students through Expect Respect. So just to give you an idea of the prevention work that we're doing. Hopefully through prevention, we can teach students how to interact with one another and how to raise awareness in their schools so that they this problem can be reduced. 
We hear a lot about trauma. I think it's kind of the new buzzword that we hear a lot about. But often when trauma happens, it's triggered by an event that causes some level of fear, whether it's actual or threatened death or injury or a threat to the self or others. So often the person feels really helpless in the moment of trauma. And this can be different for everybody. It doesn't always have to be something that we think would be traumatic. It's really an experience that's determined by the individual. Um, and it could have really lasting effects for them. So think about what's been happening in McKeesport lately. So this is a community that's experiencing a really high level of trauma. So what are some of the things that you, you hear in the news happening in your community? I had a friend of mine that was shot back in December mm -hmm. on Jenny Lance. Yeah. And whether it's fireworks or whatever, I call the police, but I never know whether the right. police are doing anything. There's no feedback. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so that can affect somebody's sense of safety when you're not sure what's happening. Sure. I had a question. I used to work in television news. Mm -hmm. And I know from that day-to-day -day experience, I have a rough idea of how many shootings there were that day. Mm -hmm. Now, I can read statistics all over that talk about the crime rate going down in the greater Pittsburgh area. Yeah. But I'm also something of a news junkie to this day, and I have the news on a lot. Mm -hmm. And I know that the number of shootings every 24 hours is ridiculous. Mm -hmm. And I don't understand quite why there's never any... I don't know, indignation in the news or any summing up of a running total of what's going on in that regard. I've, I've heard reported that, that the number of shootings or the level of violence has gone down. Um, and I, I don't know, I can't verify that for absolute certain, but what I do know is that the people in the communities that we're serving doesn't matter to them. They're seeing this every day like all of you are. They're hearing these shootings happening. They're seeing people that they know be affected by this. And to the people that are experiencing it, they, I mean, you know, I don't know. I don't know if that's accurate or not, if it's going down, but you're absolutely right. People that are seeing this and people should be more upset about it. Well, there's something about the way they report the news that sounds every day like it's a new day and it has no real history and where it may be going mm -hmm. is not important. We'll just tell you about who got shot and make a kind of a, a Ripley's Believe It or Not horror story out of it for the evening news ratings. Mm -hmm. And they never talk about whether or not maybe we're talking about too much gun violence. Yeah, well, I think a lot of times when the news is being reported, and I think it's changed to be more of this over the years, it's really about grabbing people's attention so that they watch the news later on. And it's up to us and communities, I think, to figure out what can we do locally to try to prevent this. You know, what's causing it? How can we support people? And how can we be a resource in the community to help people? Um, because unfortunately, one of the things that we see happen pretty often, too, is the people that come to us for services, we often advise them not to watch the news because it can be so triggering for the trauma that they've experienced because often the news isn't reporting accurately what happened. So they're putting their own spin on, um, you know, what what's going on in this case, and they may not have all the information. So often the stories are being reported before any information is gathered, and you, you know how there's there's like the teaser uh, commercial for it, you know, coming up at 11, so so and so was shot, and they don't have any information, and for the families to see this. Seldom do you see news like you're showing here. Mm -hmm. That needs to be seen as well. The actual impact of how is this affecting and people. And the fact that people do somehow find help and recover. Yes. Yes. That's mm -hmm. important. 
And that can support others that have gone through a similar experience by seeing that people people have to find, you know, we call it the new normal at Center for Victims. And because when you experience something like this, things are not going to go back to the way that they were before the incident happened. But that doesn't mean that life is forever going to be, you know, it's going to be different. It doesn't have to to be, you know, a complete loss and being that grief process for the rest of your life. Things can get better, but they won't go back to the same. Yeah. And then we expect violence is always as normal now. Mm-hmm. You know, I teach, and it's the kids see so much that it's they think it's normal, mm-hmm. but they're having a reaction to it. And you know, like I watch TV in the morning, and they'll say it happened in the Keys, rocks. <sighs> Yeah. So your heart stops for a minute thinking. Then I feel bad for the relief. So you know, like it's not my kids are all right, but somebody Mm -hmm. else's. And I feel guilty for being right. I just don't want to hear the important part, you know. Absolutely. But I know it's going to affect my day. Yes. And it's going to affect not just that child in that neighborhood. It's going to ripple through that classroom. Well, what happens is, you know, you hear about a news report and it's something similar may have happened in this community. And so the students are affected and the adults are affected too. And people are re-traumatized when they're watching the news or they're hearing about the latest shooting or they hear gunshots in their community. They think about the time that they may have witnessed that or that it was too close to home for them. So it's it's reopening a lot of that each time we hear about it. One of the the things I've noticed in the last five, seven years, whatever, is I've gone through some traumatic things that weren't involved with crime, but I've lost two, two very close people. Mm-hmm. And the one thing that I found was that, okay, everybody will come and, and give you condolences and everything else, and maybe come to the funeral or the service or whatever, but then yep. from there on, you're by yourself. That's often where we come in um, with our therapy services and counseling services. Often people don't know what to say. People want to make someone feel better right away. And giving somebody that space to grieve and giving them, you know, you're going to feel bad going through a loss like that, and that's perfectly normal. And I think that's when a lot of people come to us is after the funeral, you know, because that's, that's... Yeah, yeah. And how do you get over something like this? You don't. Life changes forever, and it doesn't mean that life is going to be bad forever, but it's going to be different. You're listening to a discussion about the effects of violence on the community, recorded just a few days ago at St. Stephen's Episcopal Church in McKeesport. The moderator is Diane Dom, Director of Prevention, Education, and Outreach at the Center for Victims, and we'll have more right after these messages. Support for this broadcast comes in part from the McKeesport Hospital Foundation. Since 1976, the foundation has addressed key concerns that affect our good health, as well as our education, social needs, recreation, safety, and security. The foundation partners with UPMC McKeesport and other agencies to eliminate barriers to all services for all residents of the Mon Valley. Visit mckhospitalfoundation.com or call 412-664-2590. You're listening to Two Rivers 30 Minutes, a production of Tube City Community Media Incorporated. You know, we're looking for help in getting this show on the air and for help with other projects. If you're interested in the McKeesport area and you'd like to host a program or write articles for the website, call us at 412-614-9659 or email tubecitytiger at gmail.com. 
This is AM 81 WEDO 1550 WZUM, the heart and soul of Pittsburgh, and TubeCityOnline.com. You're listening to a discussion about the effect of violence on the community. It was recorded at St. Stephen's Episcopal Church in McKeesport. The moderator is Diane Dom. She is Director of Prevention, Education, and Outreach at the Center for Victims. For more information, visit their website at centerforvictims.org. They also have a 24-hour crisis hotline at one 866 644-2882. And we'll give that number again a little bit later on in the program. And now back to the discussion. I just wanted to mention this too. So it's not always the event that determines whether or not a student or an adult or anyone's experience of the event um, is going to turn out to be traumatic or not. So 10 people could experience the same event. Say that there's an incident of violence that affects an entire group of people. Everyone is going to have a slightly different reaction to that. Some people may have trauma symptoms, others may not. So it's important to just normalize that experience for everyone involved. So if somebody feels safe in that situation for whatever reason, they feel like they're prepared, um, they feel like you know there, there was a way out of the situation, they may not have the same trauma symptoms as someone else who feels a little bit more helpless in the same situation. So the way that, that Center for Victims works is that we have a 24-hour hotline So someone would call and just explain a little bit about what they had gone through. And our hotline workers would then connect them to a variety of different services that we have available. Sometimes someone might call the hotline and they just need to talk for a few minutes. They might just need somebody to listen, and that's okay. So sometimes that might be as far as it goes. Other things that might happen. So if you experience a crime, would you know what to do in the court system? Would anybody here have any idea what to expect next? Most of us wouldn't, right, unless you've been through that process. And when we think about trauma, like what we just mentioned and what your brain is doing, it's busy doing so many things that to think about the steps that you need to take to get through the court system can be entirely overwhelming for somebody. So we have advocates that would actually go to court with a victim to explain the process, to prepare them for trial, to sit with them as they go through that, and be, they're not an attorney, but they're there to offer support and resources to a family as they go through the criminal justice system. So we have advocates at the local magistrates. We have um, advocates here at Riazzi's in McKeesport that are available for any type of victimization that happens. So if there's a victim of crime that needs to go to the local magistrate, somebody can be there for them. We also have advocates downtown at Family Division. Um, So they're available to help with the protection from abuse orders. That's something that you have to go downtown to Family Division to get. And we have advocates there that can help with the paperwork. It's a huge packet of paperwork that can be really overwhelming to somebody that isn't sure what the next step is. Um, We also have advocates available in the juvenile courts. And it's a little bit different in the juvenile court because we do sometimes what's called victim-offender dialogue, where it's sort of a restorative justice preventative type of program where a victim has the opportunity to confront the offender that committed the crime. So that's something that happens with juveniles. Um, We've had that happen where um, someone may want to, to talk to the offender about, this is how what you did to me affected me. So it's used as a way to help reduce um, reoffending by juveniles. Advocates are a fantastic resource for families going through the criminal justice system. Okay. We also have counseling and therapy available. That's my other hat at Center for Victims. I forgot to mention earlier, I also do some therapy, usually just one day a week. I see people here in McKeesport. So we have uh, therapists available in our East Liberty office and McKeesport, two different locations in McKeesport. Um, and what we can do is individual and group therapy. So one of my goals is to try to get the word out in McKeesport that we have support services available to people that have lost somebody to gun violence and be able to offer a support 
support group for families that are going through that loss. Um, so people can access therapy services free of charge. We do take insurance, but we're very limited in the insurance that we do take, and there's never a copay. We also offer support in the schools. So like I had mentioned earlier, I do the prevention education in the schools, but the other end of that is that we do intervention as well. So it, we have responded to um, some of the shootings that have happened in um, communities where kids are then you know, getting up and going to school the next day um, when one of their classmates was shot the day before. So we're able to organize uh, crisis response teams to go out and respond to students in the schools. We do that in the community as well. So if there's an incident um, of violence that happens in the community, we would put together a team to go out and talk with people after it happens so we could help them process what they experienced. Okay, um, we also have people 24 hours a day that are available to go to the hospital. So you heard a victim of sexual assault talking in the video about how it can be something that's kept very private, very secretive. Um, so it can be very difficult to go through the process of going to the hospital. Um, the rape exam is incredibly invasive and it can be really traumatizing for people. So having a counselor available, an advocate there to explain what's going to happen um, and be there to provide resources and support immediately after sexual assault happens can be really helpful to a victim. Um, victims always get to decide whether they want somebody there or not, so the hospitals know to ask if they want a victim advocate. And if somebody says no, then you know we're not gonna go into the room and be there anyway, but that option is available to somebody if they do choose to have support while they're in the hospital. Um, so this can, can help somebody just know that they have support available and just learn a little bit about what the next step may be when they go home from the hospital. We also have victim's compensation, and what victim's compensation does is it provides uh, reimbursement for any medical costs associated with the crime that occurred. So if somebody has hospital bills from being a victim of a crime and their insurance is paying for it, but then say like they have co-pays or you know, if they max out their insurance, victim's compensation can pay for the difference. So it's a payer of last resort, which means insurance would have to cover things first, but then if there's any out-of-pocket expenses for a victim, victim's compensation can then cover some of that cost. It also can provide funeral expenses um, for families that lose somebody to homicide. There's some restrictions around that, but we're trying to, um, on a state level, advocate for some changes there. You had your hand up. Did you have a question? I was going to say, most hospital ERs, there's a social worker that works in the ER yes. that will assist you with a lot of different things. Yes, there are hospital social workers, and they do a fantastic job, but they're doing such a broad range of things that sometimes it's helpful that the hospital social worker works with the victim advocate, so that then that victim advocate would also be the person um, who would be going to court with um, that victim in the hospital. So they'd get connected to Center for Victims and be able to receive a lot of other services that the social worker may not be able to, to fulfill. But what we also want to see happen is having those social workers trained and ready to respond and give appropriate responses to a victim when they come in so that they can be the first line of support. Yes? You know, obviously, the sympathy is going to be with the victim. However, is there counseling available for the perpetrator? We unfortunately do not have that, and there's not a lot of research out there on what's effective when it comes to providing counseling or intervention for perpetrators. So that's not our area of expertise, um, and there's not a lot that's gone into that, and that's an important piece of the puzzle. So. It helps prevent repetition. Absolutely. A lot of mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. and oftentimes, the person who's committing the violence is themselves, they are themselves victims of violence. Yes. They just bring it on. Yes.
Now, we would provide, um, say, you know, if there was a situation like that where someone was a victim but was also an offender, as long as the victim of whatever crime they perpetrated is not also receiving services at the same time, then that person would be eligible for services as a victim. But as for treating the perpetration, that's not something that we specialize in. I don't think of that as something to be treated. I think it needs to be. I agree. I agree. I guess my idea is that what we get as individuals can do, individuals and as a uh, group can do to help break those cycles to kind of put the violence in the ground stop before it begins. Mm -hmm. That's a big question. That's a big, big question. Um, but as individuals interrupting, I mean, just as a as general bystander intervention, one of the things that I teach kids in the schools is interrupting um, when they hear somebody mistreating friends or they hear, you know, a lot of the foundations, especially when it comes to domestic violence and sexual assault or sexism, and a lot of the foundations of violence are racism that's happening in the community or classism. So how can we interrupt those things? And just doing small things, um, if you hear somebody making a comment, trying to interject, or you know, how do we get the word out that there's support and resources available? So a lot of this is connected to a lot of the isms that are out there, and to break all those down, it takes a whole community. So I don't, know, I don't have a, a, this is what we can do, A, B, and C, because if I knew that, then we wouldn't be having this problem anymore. So we're working to resolve those issues, but I think the more people that get involved and are aware and are able to speak out and know that this happens in every community, it's not just McKee's it's not just, you know, communities that we see in the news all the time. And providing resources and support for people so we can break those cycles. You're listening to a discussion about the effect of violence on the community. Recorded at St. Stephen's Episcopal Church in McKeesport. We'll have more right after these messages on AM81 WEDO, 1550 WZUM, and com. Support for this broadcast comes in part from the McKeesport Hospital Foundation, celebrating 36 years of supporting community health programs and services for you and your family. The foundation works with UPMC McKeesport as well as through the Mon River Fleet Partnerships in Braddock, Clareton, Duquesne, and McKeesport. If you would like to make a donation to the McKeesport Hospital Foundation or find out more about it, visit mckhospitalfoundation.com or call 412-664-2590. You're listening to Two Rivers, 30 Minutes, a production of Tube City Community Media, Incorporated. If you've got an idea for someone who you'd like us to interview or a question or comment, you can find us on Facebook and Twitter at Tube City Online. You're listening to a discussion about the effects of violence on the community recorded just a few days ago at St. Stephen's Episcopal Church in McKeesport. The moderator is Diane Dom, Director of Prevention, Education, and Outreach at the Center for Victims on AM81, WEDO, 1550, WZUM, and TubeCityOnline.com. Well, you know, when we're talking about domestic violence, we see often, you know, perpetrators of domestic violence have seen it in their home growing up. So how can we send messages to young boys that, you know, it's important to treat women and girls with respect? And that's one of the things that we're doing with one of the programs we have in our schools. We do a program called Coaching Boys into Men. And it's done with uh, boys on uh, football teams and other sports. So they get a weekly lesson. It's like five minutes of their practice. And they talk about how to treat each other on the team and how they can then treat women and girls and you know how to be respectful. Um, so it's those little things that grow into a bigger um, community response. So. What is a rough percentage male female? You mean people that work at Center for Victims? Uh, or? Yeah, the, the, the people.
Oh, people that come to us for services. I don't know offhand. I know like larger nationwide statistics for domestic violence only are like 95% of the time it's women that are the victims, but it certainly does happen to men, and we also provide services to men. So it's important to remember, um, you know, that was one of the problems when we were called Woman's Place, was men felt like they couldn't come to us. So yeah, it's a problem that disproportionately affects women when we're talking about domestic violence. The other crimes, though, um, happen more often to men. So we're talking about a lot of these community shootings and assaults that happen in the community. That happens more to men than it does to women. So the message needs to be out there to everybody, certainly. Mm -hmm. Okay, so just a couple more things. I know everybody wants to eat, so. <laughs> I just want to go through some of these. Uh, so I, I talked most uh, about this victim's compensation already. Um, just a couple of things that I didn't mention is that it can cover relocation expenses. So if someone is um, fearful because of the crime that happened and they need to move because of that, it can cover those relocation um, expenses as well. Jail notification, this is really important to be aware of. So if somebody is a victim of a crime and the offender goes to Allegheny County Jail and the person's fearful that they're going to be released, they can call our hotline, get signed up for jail notification. As soon as that person is on their way out the door, they're going through the, the processing to be released, we would, um, the county jail calls us and we call the victim right away. So I've been on call to do this. I've called people at 3 o'clock in the morning. So we will call them right when it's happening to let them know somebody's being released from jail so they then have a chance to prepare. Okay, dialogue and mediation services. Um, just quickly, we do have a, an advocate that works with the City of Pittsburgh Housing Authority sites. So she goes to eight housing authority sites to resolve any sort of disputes that hap that's happening, either neighbor to neighbor, um, you know, over any kind of um, conflict that may be happening. It doesn't have to even be crime related. She's helped resolve um, neighbor disagreements about the volume of a stereo. So the goal of this is to try to go out there and work with people on their conflict resolution skills to therefore prevent crime from happening. So that's another way that people can also use our services as a way of prevention. Um, anybody can request mediation. We have done this in our McKeesport office as well, where people can come in and they can work with a mediator to talk about whatever it is that may be going on in their life. Okay, and I mentioned victim-offender dialogue in the juvenile justice system and the community crisis response. Um, that's what I had mentioned about any incident of mass violence that happens that we then go out and respond to. And here is our Facebook and Twitter information if anybody's on there and you want to find us. Um, that's how you could go about doing that. So, does anybody have any questions? Yes. What are the ages, you know, again, I'm teaching... Mm -hmm. Some of my younger kids, do you have offer services for them? Like, you know, like something happens. Mm -hmm. How do people learn about you? Like, you, I mean, there's this, you know, pamphlets and things like that. Mm -hmm. Do you ever send any things? Schools or? With the schools we work with, we have a relationship with eight schools in Allegheny County right now. Um, we work mostly with middle and high school, yeah. But we have responded to certain situations with younger students. Um, for example, in Pittsburgh Public Schools, um, there were some students that were shot last year, and they called us in to provide some intervention services. And we did visit some of the younger kids. So it, it really depends. There's a boy that was shot. Um, mm -hmm. Going to, to one of the rivers, he'll be back okay. this year. My son teaches there, and he said, I wonder how he's going to be. Mm -hmm. And 
you know, teachers can reach out to us. We, we've done trainings, so if you're interested in having a training done for your school, we can, we can talk after this presentation. And we've done trauma trainings um, for teachers on what trauma might look like in the classroom and how to respond and how to reach us to get involved. So we would want to see that student possibly at our office for more support, too. You know, it's a delicate line there, mm -hmm. saying, hey, I expect you to be freaking out. You need help. You know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and teachers need to be prepared for that, and we're yeah. certainly available to do trainings around those issues. And that was a discussion about the effect of violence on the community. It was recorded a few days ago at St. Stephen's Episcopal Church in McKeesport. We'd like to thank the church for allowing us to record that conversation. The moderator of the discussion was Diane Dom, Director of Prevention, Education, and Outreach at the Center for Victims. For more information, visit their website at centerforvictims.org. And the number is 1-866-644-2882. You've been listening to Two Rivers 30 Minutes, copyright 2015, Tube City Community Media Incorporated. Opinions expressed on this program are not those of Tube City Community Media Incorporated, WEDO Radio, 810 Incorporated, or those of AM Guys LLC, WZUM 1550. Listener support makes this program possible. If you'd like to make a tax-deductible contribution or find out how you can underwrite this program, please visit our website at TubeCityOnline.com and click on the donate link. You can also get a free subscription to this program and other podcasts at our website using Apple's iTunes or Stitcher.com. If you've got a question or comment, we hope you'll write to us. Our address is Tube City Community Media Incorporated, P.O. Box 94, the Keysport, PA 15134. You can email us at TubeCityTiger at gmail.com or call us at area code 412-614-9659. And you can find us on Facebook and Twitter at Tube City Online.